Welcome to Primordial Tao, Present Tao, a podcast about all things Taoism. Our conversations and interviews will discuss ancient and modern Taoist wisdom teachings, spiritual practices, seasonal longevity and healing traditions, relationship guidance, and profound insights on walking an authentic and meaningful path, however you choose to walk it. Welcome home to the ocean of Tao. And uproot that rock in your roots so that you can get to your roots. Uh, maybe, or maybe we could wrap a lot of roots around that rock and, and actually lean off of it and, and make it a, a kind of ballast so that instead of trying to make it go away, it becomes our biggest strength and our biggest anchor. And I work with uh, a lot of people who've gone through like Alcoholics Anonymous and stuff. And almost every one of the people that I've met who's gone through addiction and has moved beyond it, you can see it in their eyes. They're like a warrior they know the truth of who they are and they carry that rock that that you know pain that they were dealing with in a very sacred way and it becomes like a source of energy and a source of wisdom for them welcome to primordial dao present dao episode four today's topic the way of enough my name is Alex Kruger, and I'm here with Dr. Michael Smith. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Michael? I'm great. How are you, Alex? Doing well, doing well. It's a beautiful Sunday. Winter's coming in strong, but it's still nice out. Yeah. Uh, for the people who've been listening so far, they all know you're doing a thousand days. And for the people who are just listening to this uh, as their first episode, uh, maybe tell people a little bit about your thousand days and how it's going and what day you're on and all that good stuff. Sure, yeah. So I'm doing a thousand days of walking and standing meditation in a row. In addition to that, if there's time, I like to do more, such as yoga, workout, and a lot of bagua exercises or tai chi. And the, the goal with that is to seek more alignment in the body and just habitually live in a more balanced place. So it, it is taking some consistency, and it is challenging to sometimes find the time, but worth it. And uh, it has been paying up. We're, it started on 10-10-2020, and now we're uh, November 15th. So we're just over a month in, and it's it's going well. It's going well. So I, you've uh, done a similar experience, uh, right? So, I mean, how was, how was your version of that? Uh, I've done a few hundred days uh, with uh, standing Qigong or more martial arts practice. I think the only thing I've done for a thousand days with that kind of intention is uh, seated meditation. And um, the way I was taught, if you're doing that kind of an extensive uh, commitment, if you end up missing a day because you get into a car accident or something, uh, you just have to back three days off and then you go back and, you know, regain your momentum. So it took me just about a thousand and sixty something days to finish my thousand days. Uh, just because life gets in the way and stuff like that. But I loved it. It was kind of like in a way being secretly married or something because like no matter who I talked to and what I was doing, I always knew yesterday and today and tomorrow and a lot of tomorrows to come, I had this 
this intention and this relationship and this uh, understanding that I was going to discover something, you know, without knowing what it was. But I was more interested in that relationship than anything else. And um, yeah, I've always really loved that feeling of connection and patience and commitment. And anytime I, I know someone, especially like you, that I've known for you know a good 10 years now that I know is doing this, it's kind of like watching your friend get married to like someone you know is going to like change them in ways they didn't expect, but in the best possible way. So congratulations on the commitment. And um, just given what we're going to get into today, it seemed like a really good thing to bring people's awareness uh, who are listening to the show that Taoism is a practice and that sometimes the practice is, you know, really about showing up for about three years in a row, if not longer. It's worth it. Even when you're standing doing the dishes now, it's like, is my head above my hips? Uh, is the spine extending? How am I breathing? Is it going into the belly horizontally for a bit to the front and then the sides? Looking at, you know, it's these little, but, but it does enhance the presence. And by focusing on a few things, while you're already doing something else, and those few things are how you carry yourself, it's, yeah, more quality, more quality. You know, it's easier to be, be there, <laughs> you know. The, the secret inner life of the, the martial artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and like you said in a previous episode, that the practice has become all of your day. It just keeps going now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we'll uh, get into a really fun story about that, about uh, the illusion of practice starting and stopping. <laughs> Continuous. I think it ends when we quit breathing. I don't know. Yeah, I always <laughs> think of the, the the expression people use when they're playing poker, you know, the, the expression I'm all in. Like with some things, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> here we Here you go. You know, you're you're gonna find out, or you're you're gonna negotiate and 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 you know see what you can get away with, right? That's actually the real feeling that it, it did come to a couple times when it was like, sometimes maybe you compromise uh, an exciting opportunity to go have some fun with some friends one night or whatever because, you know, you had something to do at work and then you know a couple things around the house and the important thing for you to, to do today before bed is, is still there. It still has to happen. It takes a half an hour or an hour, but that commitment to yourself, you know, I tell you what, if you go lay down and you haven't done it, you don't feel great. So there's no yeah. way you're going to let yourself, uh, especially if you've come a few days in a row, just, just get to it. But when you start doing it, it gets easier as you're doing it and, and even, even warming up into it taking the easiest exercise or something and just doing that for a bit thoroughly just to warm up into it has been helping too. So there's a few ways to go about it. The motivation is something that has to be trained to. <laughs> so even in, even in today's episode, we're going to talk about the way of enough. I mean, <laughs> what, what that balance might be or, and how, how we can fit into our lives, right? So so for those who haven't heard the previous three episodes, could we quickly review what we discussed there? Sure. So I'm going to do that in two directions. The first episode was called Coming Into Being, and we discussed a teaching called Xingming Shuangxu, which is a fundamental approach to just day-to-day -day Taoist practice. And it, it has to do with uh, living what I would call a heart-centered life and 
being mindful of how you're responding or reacting to the kind of waves of chaos and the the predictability of order. And, and that's a fine dance for, for people following a, a Taoist way of life. Um, and I'd encourage anyone to listen to that if you've never heard of that teaching. In the second episode, which is called uh, Embodied Spiritual Warriorship, I introduced uh, everyone who's listening to one of my first Taoist teachers, who I only had a very small amount of time with, but he impressed me in a really powerful way by encouraging me as a young martial artist to focus on having a direct relationship with the experience, not the egoic part, but the experience of developing skillfulness and finding ways to go deep into the nature of willpower and willingness and how that becomes you in a way. And also a little bit about, you know, how transformation is pretty risky because you really have to give up on something to make room for something else or to make room for nothing, which in a Taoist way is kind of a little bit of a joke there. <laughs> and in the third episode, we talked about the teaching walking in a good way. And I talked about the characters for Dao and the and Zeran and Wu Wei, which are the kind of pillars or the foundational teachings in the book Dao Te Ching. So if you're unfamiliar with those characters and the meaning of uh, those aspects of Tao's practice, I'd really encourage you to um, especially watch the video version of episode three, because in each of those three episodes, I take the time to actually talk about the Chinese characters and what the picture means and how it describes not only a story, but much more importantly, it describes an experience that you can have and that that's actually more important than probably anything else. Those are really fun episodes. To, I learned a lot from just talking with you for those three, and have you know trying being trying to trying to apply those things to the thousand days, and even just a minute ago, just reviewing some of the, the things that I'm excited about, noticing little changes, or just like you said, right there and right there. So, so what I'm going to do now is go backwards. So I'm going to go back through the three episodes, and I'm going to talk just about the specific. Uh, characters or teachings that, that we talked about. But just uh, especially with what you just said, Alex, uh, I'm really going to try and encourage you know you and me and anyone who's going to see or hear this to consider that when we get a teaching, it's, it's uh, you know, it's information, it's, you know, ancient wisdom, it's encouragement, it's based in a lot of deep foundational work by a lot of people over a long time. But if we identify with the teaching in the story, we kind of put it in the land of narrative and the land of ego and maybe comparison or cool things to talk about at a dinner party or something like that, which is great. But for those of us who are committed to a lifelong practice to at least, if nothing else, transcend our ego and cultivate a reasonable kind of vitality and longevity and... Um, a core kind of embodied wisdom about our lives, it's probably more important to talk about these teachings uh, in the experiential kind of quality sense. So I'm going to do that kind of backwards from episode three to two to one. And I'm really curious about what you're, uh, what you're going to get from this, Alex. So jump in anytime if you're not sure what I'm talking about. Uh, and uh, if it all makes sense as I'm going through this, at the end, I'd really, really be interested in what uh, that feels like to you as I walk through those kind of backwards in time, but on that experiential level. So let's give it a try. Okay, so in episode three, we talked about Tao, the Zeran, and Wu Wei, the kind of pillars of, of the Tao Te Ching. 
The character Dao can mean a lot of things, but when we get right into it, it encourages us to feel the way you would feel if you were walking on the land 10,000 years ago or something like that and having a direct experience of nature, of the meaning of the seasons, of the meaning of the winds, of that. I mean, we think of uh, people often say that people who live up north in the world have many names for snow. And that would, that's true because different kinds of snow tell you about different kinds of futures and different kind of conditions that you're going to live with. So when we drop into that feeling of uh, Tao as an experience, it's a quality of actually feeling as if you belong in life so that you don't have to figure out life. And as you belong as life, your connection to the land and the seasons and what's moving around you is meant to be very tangible. And I always think of in my Qigong practice when I'm teaching and practicing on my own to remind everyone and, and to really make sure I, I'm in my own practice feeling into that kind of what is coming up from the earth, what is coming up from the land, what do, I, what do I really feel through my body, what's coming down from the sky, and maybe what am I mirroring back up into what um, may be coming down from the sky, so that it's getting so much into the present moment and into the tangible experience of what any human being throughout all of human history would felt, have felt and does feel when we feel a complete sense of belonging and connection. We look at the character De, and that's sometimes uh, translated as uh, virtue and power, and, and I can see how that goes. But virtue and power really have to do with what happens outside of you. On the inside of you, that character has a lot more to do with its original meaning, which is to look around at the different things that are kind of a moving force in your in your world and to look really deeply into them and find a kind of understanding and balance within all of those moving parts of yourself so that you can find peace in your heart and more importantly, have a sense of collaboration. I often think about when I'm teaching meditation and people are getting uncomfortable and they're fidgeting, of finding some way to communicate how powerful it is to make friends with a discomfort and to find an alliance there and to collaborate with how you're going to move into it and maybe around it, but at least try not to move away from it or be angry about it or to be frustrated by it because that just bounces you out of that in inner present moment experience. So that quality of duh really has to do with this collaborative partnership with everything that's happening around you so that everything can gather and, and move together in, in a good way. And that's what we call that practice, walking in a good way. Uh, Tzaran is a tricky thing to talk about. It's often translated as spontaneity or being um, with your nature or with the nature of nature in kind of an animalistic way. And I talk about the characters and how it actually means to feel what you would feel if you had to cook your dog. Because that's kind of what those characters mean. And I know that's a weird thing to throw out there. But it also reminds us that the nature of nature is to give you everything you need, but also to give everything that is in need what it needs. And sometimes that means nature gets a break and you get to get really hungry. So when we drop into that internal experience, the question I often bring into my own practice is, what part of my experience and my expectation do I need to sacrifice to be more real with the nature of this moment? So the less I have expectation and uh, external reference points, the more I'm sacrificing what doesn't really belong right now so that I can go deeper into what is right now. And then we think of uh, Wu Wei, and I didn't describe this very well in the, the last episode because I was feeling I was overwhelming people with all the Chinese character stuff, but the character for a way is actually a person feeding some straw to an elephant. 
And when you think about that, there's a lot of subtle meaning in the 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 symbolism of elephants and Taoism in Chinese medicine is actually really profound. And maybe I'll get back to that someday. But the idea of using that character to feed an elephant as as a way is um, trying to give something to something bigger to make something big bigger. So when we talk about Wu Wei as kind of non-doing or doing without doing, we're kind of questioning that idea of forcing it. Okay, if I can feed this elephant the way we try and stuff, you know, geese to make fog, foie gras, you know, they uh, overfeed these ducks and animals to make their livers fatty, which is just the way humans can be. You can't really force feed the Tao. You can't really force feed your spiritual progress. So in that sense, Wu Wei is to maybe be less concerned about what you're going to get out of what you're putting into this and make room for just receiving what it is that you're actually available when you stop trying, right? So it's to, to just trust in, in a deep way yourself, the nature of the nature of the universe that's coming through yourself so that you can just drop in and, and kind of what I call fall in or to the, the howling silence of Tao. And those qualities of uh, presence and, and clarity, uh, I find, really allow me and, and people I'm teaching to feel that tangible shift of state, to know that I'm going from the mundane experience of my life to the sacred, committed, tangible, present experience of my practice. And actually, I was just thinking while you were describing how you have to work kind of hard towards um, embodying some qualities, but then it, it needs to sort of flush out and become naturalized. That just embodies the experience of maybe standing or sitting meditation when you're looking for that vertical aspect of how you're holding yourself. Sometimes your back might feel a bit tight, but yeah, going into it, just going with the breathing, at least you're reaching in the right direction, being patient with yourself. And that release happens and you get a little closer and it gets a little easier. And it gets a little more natural, and the, and and to stay there, or to to come back there, you know. So it's really nice when something that was once challenging is now just normalized. Yeah, and they become an ally. Mm -hmm. So that's a rewarding sign. <laughs> it's it's very great when something like that happens in whatever you do, really. So if we go back a little farther into episode two, where we talked about embodied spiritual warriorship, and we talked about characters like uh, Shur for being skillful, Zhir for being will, having willpower or willingness, uh, Chen, which often is uh, translated as to be authentic, and Zheng, which is to be upright and kind of correct and, and true to solving you know, whatever immediate problem you're facing. So when I think of those uh, characters in, in a more common sense kind of way for people in the West, think about how you orient yourself to the world, you know, how you typically respond to things, maybe how you uh, feel in challenging situations and what you're going to need to do and what we all need to do to become more present and comfortable. And that sometimes feel like, feels like or, or maybe sounds like you're trying to become more confident and you are, but instead of feeding the elephant of confidence and saying, I'm going to try and be more confident, it actually works out to be more uh, effective for people when they get very present and they understand what their orientation is. Like, this is how I'm fitting into the world, how I'm trying to move through the world, and maybe how I'm trying to stop the world from moving against me in some way. And it's that orientation uh, to, to those challenges that is our, our state of being. 
that is in a way our ego at the moment, but also the invitation to go a bit deeper. And, and that's a, a really a challenging part of, of life is to, to notice sometimes the orientation we have is coming from previous challenges and wounds and traumas and wrongs. And that's considered in, in Taoism to notice your disorientation, which is actually the same thing. But when you feel that you're aware of a disorientation, a, a reactive tendency to certain kinds of people, or, you know, if you're in meditation and your back hurts and you just get, you know, angry and you throw your meditation cushion against the wall or something, <laughs> it's a weird example. That's, that's where you're going to have to begin the work. So it's understanding that, that our, our orientation and disorientation are the invitation to know yourself and become more confident in your practice by focusing on getting really comfortable with who you are and what you're actually doing right now. And I often do that teaching it with when I, when I do a lot of public speaking and I make kind of the joke, hey man, comfortable is the new confident, you know. <laughs> So when we get that sense of who we are and kind of how we're up against ourselves in the world and trying to soften into that more, the next thing we uh, learn is this idea of Chun, being authentic. And I love that character. It's one of my favorite in, in the ones that I used to share Taoist practice with people because it's a picture of a person, you know, if we choose to be playful in a way, it's the picture of a person cooking their ego until beauty comes out of the top of you. So it's a transformational process, but you have to keep, you know, think of your breath in meditation as blowing on the coals of your transformation. You know, we often talk about that in, in uh, Ne Gong and Ne Dan, about using the breath to ignite an ember and to begin the fire and to develop the cauldron and your Dantian and all of this sort of symbolic uh, practice. But once you got that fire lit, you know, and like you're doing a thousand day, Alex, which is, you know, way to go, that fire is going to transform you in some way. And everyone who knows you is going to see that transformation in your eyes and your posture and your humor, because, you know, you're, you're married to that secret part of your, you now that's going to, you know, help, help you grow in that way. So that, that's what we, we really want to, you know, be aware of with our embodied spiritual warriorship. And that last part of the teaching is on Zheng, and that character in Chinese medicine is often used to describe how your immune system fights diseases. And we often think of that as the part of us that fights disease, but it's actually more precise to say it's the part of us that becomes aligned with ourselves, connected to our, our willingness and, and our, uh, our authenticity to begin finding the kind of quality of presence and commitment to actually solve the problem. It's not to be against the problem, it's to be for the part of you that's going to be very solution-minded and to hold that. And in Taoist practice and Taoist lineages, we often kind of make sometimes offhanded jokes about people who are kind of making things up and kind of squirming around a little bit to make their practice seem like it's really deep and authentic when in a way it's just sort of them, like a child playing doctor, you know, they're, they're just seeing if this will work. And that's not a bad thing. It's just much more likely, in my experience, that you're going to align yourself with the center of yourself using traditional teachings than trying to like start from scratch. Although, I have to say, we all need to do a bit of both. I think that a lot of the time when we're focusing on that alignment as well and keeping, keeping focused on it and, and looking for those challenges, maybe looking at them as an opportunity is is one of the, the greatest ways to conquer them because when we encounter those sort of personal barriers or like a wall that we don't think because maybe that's been there for years you've been telling yourself i can't do this but 
trying it on different angles and, and just looking at each, each of those failures as a, as a chance to grow, look at some data at how it didn't work out kind of thing. And it's all research, man. <laughs> keep running at that wall, just knock it over, jump over it, something, <laughs> figure it out. So, so uh, if we go back into the first episode, we talked about the quality of practice we just described as coming into being. And I always like to um, share with people that there's this quote from this uh, man named Meister Eckhart from, I think, the 13th or 14th century in Europe. And he actually just said his whole philosophy is based on one thing. All beings come into being in a state of being. Now, that's an obvious thing to say, but it's also a really, really powerful invitation to, well, you could choose your state of being right now. If you're going to come into being in a state of being and you can begin to choose your orientation, focusing on your authenticity, maintain that uprightness and, and consistency, hold that willingness to continue, you know, make alliances and, and, and clarity within yourself, sacrifice the parts of you that really aren't serving you in the world anymore, then, you know, you're, you're actually really doing what all traditions invite all of us to do. The details are, you know, unique to Taoism and Taoist practice, but that's the beginning for all of us is to really take that invitation that you're kind of given when you're born, which is you can do this as completely authentically uh, with your autonomy as you choose, or you can try and protect yourself with your conditioning. Because in Tao's practice, kind of job one in the first 10 years or so is to undo your conditioning so that you know your motivations to go deeper into your practice are coming from actually you, not from the version of you that worked for a while. And honestly, a lot of people give up when they really find out who they are because that was what they wanted to know in the first place. Other people say, now I know who I am. Now I can really begin the, the practice. So in episode one, we talked about the teaching Xingming Shuangshu. And um, again, if you've never heard of that teaching, please go back and listen to episode one because it is a very foundational aspect of not only uh, kind of the what to do, but how to relate to yourself you know, in a, in a lifelong commitment to uh, transcend the mundane and, and to find your way across the, the boundary between, you know, uh, authentic real human life and kind of what, you know, society allows us to kind of get away with. And especially nowadays when we all live between a phone and the real world, for the most part, um, we're, we're not really that concerned with, you know, how to, how to find our true self in the true world because we're kind of having an artificial self in an artificial world. So in, in like 2020, we have a lot more uh, layers of, of Taoist practice to, to really begin with to get started. Another aspect of Xingming uh, Shuangshu is um, there's the kind of regular day-to-day -day way of approaching that, which I often describe, uh, as I said earlier, to live a heart-centered life and to find balance between the chaos and order uh, in your life, and especially with how you react and respond to the chaos and order in your life in the most balanced way possible. And it's kind of like being mindful, but also mindful of your instinctual unconscious behaviors uh, in a way so that we can transcend them as, as skillful as we can. When you're a person who's committed to your Taoist practice, whatever that may be, and you've cultivated a certain amount of time and you know, you, you've done the push-ups or the standing meditation or whatever you're doing, uh, now Xingming Shuangshu takes on a different meaning. And, and the next thing that we often uh, encourage people to focus on are teachings that relate to what is called Xinggong and Minggong. 
So Xing often means your nature or your character in, in a way. And it also kind of implies the nature of nature moving through you or the nature of consciousness in your consciousness, you know, which is fun to play with. When we think of Xing Gong, it's all of the traditional teachings and practices that give you a chance to do the actual work. Because gong, like qigong, means kind of an ethical form of effort and work. So xing gong is, is an invitation to do all of the things that have been passed down for you know thousands of years to refine your sense of your, your inner nature and your character. Because we're all born with one, then we pick up how to be a man from our dad and a woman from our mom. And, you know, everybody kind of kind of like, uh, we, we keep falling in love with people who remind us of people who we had a bad relationship with because we're hoping to fix it. And, you know, we're kind of uh, unaware of the opportunity of, of what character and nature invite us to until we decide to really peel back some layers and get into it. And uh, one of the main teachings for both Xinggong and Minggong is what we're going to talk about today, the Chongzu Zhidao. Or the way of enough. And before we dive into that, I just want to speak quickly to Minggong. Ming often tra is translated as life, you know, in the sense of living life as life, um, not the noun just like to be alive, but to be living uh, what life is doing or what existence is doing as you exist. But it also is used to describe things like fate and luck and destiny. So that's why we often talk about the quality of how you face and live with and respond to and react to the, you know, if I was to be Shakespearean, the vicissitudes of fate, because that's actually what we're doing with our existence. And, and there's many, many metaphors in Taoism about this. Are you going to burn up your existence like a candle uh, in, in unconscious behaviors and, and you know, un unconscious use of your vitality and your essence? Or are you going to sort of slow your roll, as we say nowadays, and feel into your existence and what's conscious to you and uh, unconscious and instinctual to you and begin to make, you know, patient, caring, careful discernments and decisions about how we live? And, and again, the, the first teaching that, that I was offered in, in this way about Xingming Shuangchu and to play with both of them is called Chongzu Zhidao, or the way of enough. And that's what we're going to get into today. That sounds awesome because it's pretty easy when you start trying to add a few healthy practices to your day to feel overloaded. And I guess maintaining that balance is definitely going to be key if you're going to sustain any sort of healthy progression. And also, I've noticed that it's it's easy to get excited and <laughs> try to tell yourself you want to do 15 other things as well as, as a couple little practices, but finding that balance and, and just what is enough and what you can, being aware of where that is for yourself is, is essentially key. So, <laughs> so looking forward to this. Yes, thank you. This will be great. <laughs> Okay, so as we like to do, let's take a little pause for everyone who wants to take a moment. And maybe if you haven't heard the first three episodes, go back and catch up on that. And then maybe come back to this when, you know, you, you have that, that foundational relationship with this. Or if you're feeling and all kinds of spontaneous and creative and, you know, see what happens next. Come back into part two and uh, we'll get you we'll, and we'll get into the, the teaching of the wave enough. Sounds great. I look forward to part two. In the spirit of patience, let's take a short intermission. 
Before we move on to part two, I would like to borrow your attention for a moment. Taoism is a perception of being, and it is also a personal practice. Traditionally, Taoist practice includes movement, meditation, breathwork, and a tangible reunion with Tao and with many energetic phenomena. That is why I practice and teach Qigong, because I enjoy a tangible way to explore my Taoist journey. After the changes to our culture in 2020, we are all spending more time at home, more time under pressure, more time looking at screens, and more time finding other ways to support our families. Now is a great time to learn Qigong and to stay fit and healthy. And it is an ideal time to train, practice, and become a Qigong teacher. If you are interested, the teacher training programs that I offer all begin with a 200-hour program, which can take from one to two years to complete. You can learn more at somadaoqigong.com, S-O-M-A-D-A-O-Q-I-G-O-N-G.com. The link will be in the show notes. When you are ready for part two, tap the link below.